I thought I would dress appropriately seen it's a shipwreck. <laughs> Never had to use this in earnest, thankfully. <laughs> uh, the church Bibles at the back near the coffee point, it's page 1125. Chapter 27, beginning at verse 27. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea, when about midnight the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you've been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. Well, thank you. That's great. And love the comedy prop. That was awesome. Thank you for wearing that and making the effort. That's awesome. Um, well, uh, as you can see, the theme for today is all about shipwrecks and storms. Uh, I've actually titled this talk, Rome, the Storm and the Shipwreck. And I feel like that could be a song. Max, I don't know if you could kind of rustle up a song about that, the Rome, Storm and the Shipwreck. I think that could be a great title for a song. No. He's thinking that's rubbish. Okay, never mind. But that's the title for our song, Rome, Storm and the Shipwreck. Um, let me just pray. Father, we thank you for what we've heard. We thank you, Lord, for our theme, for Lord, what we're looking at. We thank you that you are present. Thank you for the all that you've begun already. And we pray that you'd take all this, Lord Jesus, and you'd do something with it, that, Lord, you would let it fall on good ground, and that it would bear fruit, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, I just want to add my welcome to Dave's. If I've not met you, my name's Paul, and as Dave said, I'm one of the associate ministers here at the church. When I was looking at this passage and thinking about journeys, I was reminded of my recent trip to France. So we went to uh, the south of France with uh, the family, and we had to get to the airport, and we thought we'd been really organized. So we'd gone ahead and booked everything. We had an app downloaded. We had it all sorted. We had everything packed. Actually got stuff in the car the night before. I was super organized. This was going to be the absolute dream. We were going to end up in the airport with loads of time, sitting like this guy there just looking out at the aeroplanes in Edinburgh. It was going to be sweet. However, I forgot that we were getting up at 3 a.m. And I don't know if you ever had that feeling when you wake up at 3 a.m. You just feel sick. You're like, 
why do I feel sick? You know, oh, yeah, it's 3 a.m. I shouldn't be up at 3 a.m. But then when you've got to get four kids out of bed and you've got to get them dressed and you've got to get them ready and you've got to get out of the house and then you realize you're already running late, you've got to get in the car and then you've got to hit the road, it's not quite the journey you imagined. Things got a bit worse because we were heading to the airport we put it in the satnav because we're organized. We put this airport uh, in the satnav, and it kept taking us to the city bypass. And every time we went to city bypass, the city bypass was closed. We're like, okay, we'll do a detour. It's fine. We're organized. We're good. We've got plenty of time. Went round, city bypass closed. Okay, don't worry. Went round again, city bypass closed. And the satnav kept taking us back to the city bypass every stinking time. And it was closed. And it was so annoying because I don't know Edinburgh. And I'm like, we're going to have to do a detour. And it seems like we're going around the whole of Edinburgh just to get to the airport. And time was ticking on. I'm like, we're going to be late. Like, this is super, super stressful. Because we were so organized, we called ahead and we had our car booked in at this lovely um, company that would meet us at the uh, car park. We would hand over the keys in a nice non-stressed way. I was expecting a sort of shoulder massage, didn't get it. But I hand the keys over, they would drive our car, park it for us, and then they'd take us on a nice shuttle bus and we would go to the airport really relaxed. The deal was you had to call the car park company 15 minutes before you got to the car park so that they were prepped and they could get the massage chair out and everything well, so that they could get ready for you arriving. So I called them 15 minutes saying, I'm really sorry. Yeah, the city bypass was closed. It's a nightmare. I'm so sorry. This journey isn't how we imagined it. And we're running late. I'm really sorry about it. So we've come to park our car. So 15 minutes. If you could meet us there, that would be brilliant. brilliant. And then I heard the words I never want to hear again when heading to the airport. It was, oh, sorry, sir. Did you not get the email? Did I not get the email? No, sorry, what email was that? Could you just check in your junk folder? No, it's not in my junk folder. What email are you talking about? We're closed. Oh my gosh. We've got four kids and we've got the suitcases and I've got a car and we're late for the airport. Where am I supposed to put my car for two weeks? You'll get a full refund, sir. I don't want a refund. I want a space and I want my car to be parked there for two weeks. Where am I supposed to go? So he lists a lot of different places that we could constantly calling. Right, It was the worst journey we've ever taken. I got to the airport and I, and I swear I'd aged about 10 years. I was there super stressed. I'd said to the kids like, you've just got to pray. Everybody in the the car, we're stopping fighting, and we're just gonna uh, we're gonna pray to God for a car parking space. Pray for a space. We got a space. We got to the airport. We were super le- uh, stressed, super super late. At the time, I had a kidney stone, so I'm like, okay, we're gonna have to run. Okay, and it's like, ow, 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 come on, ow, 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 running through the airport with this kidney stone in a lot of pain. I wasn't looking, and I ran straight into a bin, wiped it off the f- off the wall, picked it up nicely. He's like, just kind of put that there, excuse me, put that there, and then carry on. We get to the gate, and the gate was closed, and I was like, this is what? What do you mean the gate's closed? And I look at our app, and I look at the gate. And the app wasn't talking to the computer in the airport, and we were at the wrong gate. The app had given us the wrong gate. So we got there, eventually, in time, super stressed, dripping with sweat, needing a holiday because we were so stressed, on the airplane, and we got there. And it was actually a really nice holiday. But it wasn't the journey that we imagined. It was horrific. And here in our Bible reading, the um, reading that Christians just read out, we see that the Apostle Paul is on his way to Rome. 
He's going to Rome. Now, the reason he's going to Rome is because he's been falsely accused. He's been accused of something. He's wanting to clear his name. So he's got in mind, I'm going to go on the ship. I'm going to go on this journey. I'm going to get to Rome. It's the centerpiece. It's the place to be. And I'm going to have my name cleared. And in his mind, he's got a journey. He's been on boats before. He knows what it's like. He's going to go straight there, and it's all going to be lovely and sweet. But we see that he's hit with all sorts of storms, all sorts of bad weather. The winds wouldn't allow them to go to the direction. They have to go off piece and off course somewhere else. They hit all sorts of obstacles, and it becomes super stressful for them. It's not the journey that the Apostle Paul is wanting to be on. And it's not the um, one that he imagined either. It totally took a turn for the worst. It became tricky. In the verse that Christine read in, in verse 29, they were even fearing that they would, would be dashed against the rocks and that they had to pray for daylight. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation, but you kind of, things begin to go wrong. You're like, this isn't how I imagined it. And then you almost imagine worse things, like I'm going to hit the rocks in this situation. And you're just like, I just need to pray for daylight. I just need to pray for daylight like it's so dark. My situation's so horrific. I'm just going to sit here and pray for daylight to come. This was them. They were experienced so much stuff that they were just praying for daylight to come. Maybe you've been in a situation recently where you thought your career path was going to go a certain way. And you imagined it. It's like, this is the journey. This is trajectory that I'm on. It's going to be A, B, C, and D. And it hasn't worked out that way. It's been like this and like this and like this. Maybe you've been in a relationship. You've started a relationship and you imagine this is the one or this is going to be great. This is going to be so sweet. And it hasn't. And it's gone this way and it's gone that way. And it's been a bit of a bumpy ride to say the least. Maybe you can relate to the guys in the boat here. All throughout the chapter, they, they list off verse 7. They had slow headway. The winds wouldn't allow them to pass. Verse 8 we were moved along the coast with difficulty. Verse 9, much time had passed, was being lost, and it became dangerous. Verse 10 says that it became disastrous. They're in a whole storm, a whole world of pain, and they're fearing for their lives, and it isn't how they imagined it. Maybe coming out the sort of two, last two, three years, kind of thinking about our journey, maybe COVID's kind of really disrupted things for you. Maybe you've lost a job because of COVID, or maybe you've lost someone because of COVID and the pandemic, and actually, it's been such a bumpy, twisty, turny ride for you that it's just not as you imagined it. Well, there is hope, and there's hope here, and there's hope in the story. These guys, we dropped in really at looking at the shipwreck. The title that Christine read out, it was the shipwreck, but we've got to remember that these guys have gone through a storm. Like in a verse or two before what Christine read out, they described it as, we've took such a violent battering. We took such a violent battering. And I've spoken to people that can relate to that emotionally. It's felt like they've taken an, an, an absolute violent battering. And they're a bit sort of, their sea legs are kind of all going and, and everything's spinning around and they're kind of really disorientated. I don't know if you've experienced an actual physical storm if you've been on a boat and you can relate to some of the um, emotions that these guys are experiencing and fe uh, feeling. For me, I was actually in a, in a storm in Thailand. So before Katie and I had kids, we went traveling and uh, we, did Af we did Africa and Asia. 
And we went to Thailand and uh, we were like, oh my gosh, you know, let's just go and go to these beautiful places and so on. Uh, and we'd heard uh, that there was a, an island called Koh Phi And Koh Phi is, if you've ever seen that classic film, The Beach, uh, with a very young looking Leonardo DiCaprio there. Um, that was where the beach was filmed. And we were like, oh my gosh, like, if we get a chance, let's try and go to Koh Phi Because Koh Phi is like promised paradise. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's going to be awesome. So we were kind of heading off to go to Koh Phi And uh, we should have realized that it wasn't quite going the way we'd imagined it. When we tried to get onto this little small ferry, and it was too choppy. The water was too choppy for us to get on it. The ferry couldn't come to the place where it was supposed to. So we had to load all our bags into a little boat, and they had to take us, and that was quite difficult, out to this little ferry, and then they put us on this ferry. Then we got on the ferry, and we kind of went out heading towards Kopipi. And honestly, the waves, it was like this, and the ferry was like there, and it was like massive, the biggest waves I've ever seen in my life. It was just so scary. They started handing out sicky bags. Uh, Katie and I filled a couple of bags. We were just throwing our guts up. Everybody on the whole boat was throwing up. The whole boat stank of vomit. But then they started out handing out life jackets. And I was like, okay, this is getting quite bad. And I was doing the Christian thing. I was like, oh, I passed the life jacket on. I said, would you like a life jacket? I'm kind of thinking, there better be one for me. There better be one for me. Take a life jacket. Would you like a life jacket? Passing them along the line thinking, we're running out of life jackets. And um, we got a life jacket. But everyone sat in life jackets. Then we started seeing that people started to cry, and there, were, there, was, there was adults just in tears. Some of the guys were sort of squaring up to the cabin crew and saying, turn this bleeping boat round now. It got really bad. The waves came in and smashed a window and, and started to fill the boat. It, honestly, I've never been so scared in my life. I've never been in an actual storm until this moment. It got super bad when people started coming out of their seats and ignoring the staff, and they got to the edge of the boat, and they're about to jump. And they're like, it's better to jump into this sea than to stay on here because the boat's going to flip. And, and Katie said to me, what do we do? Do we go to the edge of the boat? Should we jump? Like, what do we do? And I was like, I, honestly, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And I was like, let's just pray. Let's pray. And I'm not talking like, oh, dear Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd, you know, just calm the waters. You know, make it a bit still for us. You know, I'm feeling a bit sick. Katie's queasy. You know, if you could just calm. I'm talking like, God, you've got to calm the waves. Like, we're going to die. This is horrific. Like, you've got to bring peace to the storm. Lord Jesus, come. Come, Holy Spirit. In the middle of the world, like on the top of our voices, we were properly praying and freaking out. We could see that some of the people on the boat have, have probably never prayed before either, but they were having a go at praying. They were praying for the first time. It was just awful. We never got to Co-PP. Uh, and I'm going to be honest, the waves never calmed down. We didn't see the, the waves stop. In the middle of it, though, we experienced this level of peace and calm. And sometimes it, it's like that, isn't it? Like sometimes Jesus doesn't speak peace to the storm, but he speaks peace to you in the storm. And he like reassures you in the moment when it's all crazy and it's all chaotic and it's all scary, but for some reason, there's a peace that goes beyond your understanding. And it's like Jesus is right there in the middle of the storm. We never got to Co-PP. We never turned back. The boat kind of went this way, and it ended up on the nearest island, which was an island called Krabi, which isn't as good as Co-PP. Um, don't go to Krabi. 
So when we got to the island, we were like, oh my gosh, we nearly died. That was awful. That was horrific. Let's never set foot on a boat again. That was just horrible. Let's go and do something that's really normal. Let's really do something that's really homely. Let's go and do something that feels really nice and lovely. So we went for a McDonald's, as you do in Thailand, because the food's so amazing, but you just want something normal. We went and had a McDonald's. So I can relate to how these guys feel. Like when I'm reading this, I'm like, oh yeah, I know that. I know that. It's terrifying. It's awful. It's horrific. Yeah, I know that feeling. But maybe for some of us, the storm is emotional. Maybe it's spiritual. Maybe it's a storm that you find yourself in, and it's almost like a washing machine going on, and you're just desperate for God to just to intervene or to say something or to do something. Here in our Bible story, the Apostle Paul, in the middle of the storm, turns to God. He turns to God in the middle of it. And God answers him in a very special way. Previous to what Christine just read, in verse 23, an angel appears. And an angel stands next to Paul. Can you imagine that? Like, in the middle of a boat, with all these people, an angel comes and stands next to Paul. He stands next to him. He hasn't got his arms around him. He's not stroking his head. He's standing next to him in the middle of this. And he has this conversation, and the angel says, Don't worry, don't be afraid. You're going to be all right. The ship's not. The ship will be destroyed. Your possessions, the things that surround you, the things that you kind of rely on, that's going to go. But you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. There's not a hair on your head that's going to be harmed. Because the Apostle Paul's heard this, he's got courage and he's got confidence and he's got something that he can hold on to. And in that, he can take courage in it. We have um, a chalkboard back at home. Uh, it's a big, like, green board that we bought in New Zealand. Uh, and every sort of so often, whatever phase, whatever stage we're going through, we have a, a quote or something. And this is what we have in, in our house at the moment. And the kids draw on it, and they draw, you know, all sorts of stuff around it. But it's courage, dear heart. And that's a quote from C.S. Lewis, who wrote Narnia. Courage, dear heart. And that's something that we look at and we go make a coffee and we sit down and we look at it and we see it and we say, take courage. The Apostle Paul can take courage. His heart can be filled with courage because he's met with God. He's turned to God. He's experienced God. He's experienced God's reassurance in the middle of it. And because of that, there's a turning point. Christine read verse 33. And at verse 33, there's this thing that happens because Paul kicks in to almost like leadership role or servant-hearted role or he, he just almost steps up in the situation and he says, hey guys, you need to eat. You need to eat. You just need to eat. You haven't eaten for 14 years. Like, this has been horrific for us. We need to eat. I just think that's like so pastoral, so caring, so practical in the middle of the storm. He's saying we need to eat the importance of the very essential things. Like we need to be sleeping, we need to be eating, we need to be resting. We need to be doing things and being around people that we can love. We you, you need to eat. Let's just eat. And the amazing thing about this is that the Apostle Paul then, he breaks it and he gives thanks to God. And you see this image almost of like communion, which we're going to have in a moment. He's breaking bread, giving thanks to God in the middle of this storm. That's really fascinating, isn't it? And I find that really interesting because he's not in a church. He hasn't got a like, captive audience. They're not his congregation. They're, they're fellow prisoners and their guards and their, cabin, their, their crew, their ship crew. 
and yet he steps up as, as a leader, tells them what to do, tells them that they need to eat, refers to God, gives thanks to God, to a crowd of people that he might not have had ears uh, of. And, and for me, that's inspiring because I think, well, yeah, it's easy to talk to God and about God in church. It's easy to encourage somebody in the staff team because they all believe in God. It's easy in the connect group, isn't it, to sort of tell people I've got to encourage them in the faith. But what does it look like when you're at work? What does it look like when you meet your neighbor and they're going through a storm? What does it look like when you're in your halls of residence and, and you're in amongst your friends and fellow students and they're going through a tough time? Like, they're not in your church. They maybe don't have a faith, but yet the Apostle Paul refers back to God. He brings it back to God. He's very practical, and he serves them, like loving the people in front of them. I just think that is so inspiring. He says to them, you need to eat something. Some of our young people have just come back from Magnitude, and um, they've been on this youth camp, and it's been incredible. They've really met with God. And I was thinking back about to when I was a youth worker, and I was in a bit of a rush and trying to pack my bags and trying to get out. And I had a whole week long of stuff planned, uh, and I wasn't really prepared for it and ready for the, the, the lack of sleep I was going to get. And as I was packing my bag and rushing out to get out, I just felt like God say, Paul, you need to eat something. Paul, you need to eat something. And I was like, wow. And it was as clear as anything. It was the most fatherly pastoral, caring, kind thing that I think I've experienced God say to me in a moment that was so practical. He knew the journey I had. He knew the week I had. And he's like, you're not eating. Paul, you need to eat something. Very practical, very simple. You know, we don't know what people are going through. We, we just need to be kind. Like in any given situation, the people that are in front of us, they might be going through a storm. They might be throwing things out of their life to just to stay afloat. They may be panicking. They may be stressing. And we never know what people are going through. They might be all smiles, and they might have an Instagram feed to die for. You're like, wow, your life is perfect. You never know what they're going through. You never know what they're going through. So there's this opportunity just to love the person in front of us, to be kind, and to be practical. The Apostle Paul, he's saying, eat something. In the middle of the storm, you need to eat something. Maybe for us, it's, hey, you need a coffee. Oh, we need to go and grab a coffee. Hey, mate, we need to go out for a drink after work. Hey, mate, uh, let's just have lunch together. Whatever it is, I'm going to cook you me. I'll bring you me around. But, but let's find their moments to speak into chaos and to speak into the people that's around us. You know, there's around 300 people on that boat. It wasn't just Paul and his friends on his way to Rome for a jolly. There's 300 people on that boat. Paul speaks into it and inspires them, refers and points them to God and speaks creatively into it. I just think that's absolutely amazing. So the Apostle Paul finds courage in the middle of the storm because he's met with God. He then encourages other people in the middle of the storm. And then verse 25, he says, so keep up the courage. So he reminds them to not just have courage, but to keep on having courage, to be courageous in this moment. And we see that at the end of this chapter, their lives are spared. They get through it. Their boat doesn't, but they get through it. And if you keep on reading, God does incredible things when they get there. They, he does incredible things. So my question is, you know, has life took a different turn for you? Did you, in your head, set out for it to be a certain way and it didn't quite work out like that? And is there disappointment? Is there pain there that we can just bring to prayer? What's God saying to you in the middle of that? Have you, like Paul, turned to God? 
cried out to God and said, God, I need, I need you to stand next to me in this, and I've, I'm all ears. I want you to speak to me through your word. I want you to highlight something that's going to give me courage. And in receiving courage, are you giving that away? We're blessed to be a blessing. We're restored to restore. We experience compassion to care with people with compassion. Are we receiving from God to give it away to others?